Welcome to the Oil and Gas Global Network's Legal and Risk Management Podcast with Sarah Stogner, where each weekly episode touches on legal and risk management issues impacting the energy sector. Visit our website at www.oilandgaslegalrisk.com for more information on today's episode, past episodes, and upcoming OGGN events. Today's episode is sponsored by ThoughtTrace, developers of Alley, an artificial intelligence platform that reads and understands energy agreements and contracts to quickly find critical data. Hey, good afternoon. This is Sarah Stogner with the Oil & Gas Global Network's Legal and Risk Management Podcast. And today's podcast is sponsored by ThoughtTrace, developers of Alley, an artificial intelligence platform that reads and understands energy agreements and contracts to quickly find critical data. Thought Trace, let the software do the reading. Guys, don't forget to go and sign up for the drawing to enter to win a free portable power bank. So you're not the jerk in the airport looking around for a, a power plug. You go to info.com thoughttrace.com slash podcast drawing to enter. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and like it and check out the OGGN website so that you can get updates and join the newsletter to learn about all the events. And we're actually going to have a happy hour now monthly out here in Midland, not just in Houston. And we're going to start that. I think it's going to be April 23rd, but make sure you go to OGGN.com and you can get all the details there. So with that out of the way, I am here with Josh Jones, and he's with AFEC Fire Suppression Systems. So we are here at the Roseland Oil and Gas Show in Midland, and I just ate some really pretty good crawfish for West Texas, feeling good. And uh, they didn't have any beer, though. You know, mm. Mm, it's, it's not nice the same. Have. But so my brain's still working as as good as it ever does. So thanks for joining me, Josh. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah. So kind of. What do you guys do? What brought you out here? You know, kind of give me the scoop. So Apex Fire Suppression Systems is a company that provides heavy-duty mobile equipment fire suppression systems. So The first thing I think of is a frack fleet. Sure. Right? Yeah. And okay. that's really my focus. We do a lot of other equipment, mining, steel and slag, forestry, large-scale equipment. But my specific focus is in the oil and gas sector. And so with... Apex, what we do is we provide targeted systems that take into account the risks that frack fleets encounter when they're doing their pressure pumping activities. And we also work with other parts of the oil and gas world, uh, some coil tubing applications, command centers, things like that. Basically, if you have a diesel engine with high-pressure hydraulics, then that's going to be a target for what we do. Right. So... I think before we started recording, we were talking about the amount of loss, right, for frack fleet fires. And that is frack fleet fire should be the next tongue twister of elementary school kids because I'll tell you what, you say it three times fast, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, so – and it's it's an issue right now that I'm encountering in my master service agreement negotiations, right? Because especially when I'm negotiating on behalf of the operator – and an operator does not have insurance for the multi-millions of dollars worth of equipment that's contained in a frack fleet. And once one goes up, it's usually a chain reaction, and it's pretty quick to have the entire fleet go up. So can you just 
do you remember what the numbers were? Is it something like we heard a figure on? I haven't vetted this. But yeah, that's last okay. Hearsay, guys. Total hearsay. This is conjecture. But, but we held an event in Odessa where we set out off a system on a real frack pump. It was installed and piped in, and we demoed it for some customers. And one of the customers told us that uh, in 2018 there were 300 million dollars in losses with. 10 million in premiums taken in. So I'm pretty sure insurance companies were not happy about that. Yeah, I'd say uh, underwriters were trying to figure out what they can do to fix that loss ratio. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's a big issue, right? Lots of money involved and people are close and it's not just property, it's lives and, and stuff like that. So what does this technology do? How, how does it work? So essentially what we do is it all starts with a fire risk assessment. So there are so many different versions of equipment. There's so many different activities that happen in the, the oil patch, whether it's wirelining or cold tubing or fracking, and then you know, you've got electric fracking on top of that. So there's a lot of iterations that can, that can happen. So the first thing we do is we partner with companies and we look at their machinery and say, okay, here's the risk that we all agree upon. And we build a system around those risks. Now, that system is pretty basic technology from our side of things, and it scales into what their operation requires. And so we accomplish that by targeting heat sources. Okay. And we use liquid to remove heat. And then we also use an ABC dry powder to basically create a cloud around the machine and target different areas. And, and the, to get rid of the oxygen. Exactly. It breaks the catalytic chain of fire. It just Ooh. completely stops it from moving from particle to particle. So it's that's why fancier. I know. And <laughs> trust me, that's the biggest word I know. So, <laughs> but with that, we target the system so that it focuses on things like turbos, exhaust, and other high heat areas, you want to remove that heat immediately because of the reflash. And the number one cause of fires in frack fleets is, and really any heavy-duty hydraulics, is hydraulic spray from a broken hose or pinhole leak. When that sprays hits a hot surface, it causes a fire. And so the goal is to get that fire out as quickly as possible. And that's why we target the system in that way. We also run a detection loop around the machine in certain areas of risk so that it can detect the fire. And one of the really cool things that I'm excited about is that we can take all of this technology and through a couple of different contacts, we can get that information back to the data van. Right. So if the guy in the data van says, oh, I've got a fire on pump number one that can either go off automatically or he can press to press a button and choose to put out the fire. And then maybe he wants to put out the fire on the two pumps beside it. When a fire suppression system is actuated, we also have a sequence to, it depends on the customer that we work with, to shut down the engine okay. or cycle it down. Because the last thing you want to do is put out a fire and still have the equipment running. So that in a nutshell is what working with our customers over the past five or six years has taught us is that there's not a very good line of sight in between equipment. Everything is tightly spaced in the oil, oil patch, especially in a fracking operation. There's a need for remote detection and the ability to remotely actuate a system, which prevents frack hands from running towards a fire with right. fire extinguishers. And then 
Third is that the system is targeted to make sure that it puts out the fire and the risk that are associated with that machine. The last thing you want to do is a false sense of security and you have something that just kind of sprays willy-nilly without taking into account how to put out the fire. So that's in a nutshell what we what we focus on. Interesting. And so you, I think you were telling me before we started recording something about you have a relationship with certain insurance companies. Is that? Right. So one of the investments that we've done as a company is working with Factory Mutual, which is an insurance company that also has some third-party verification that okay. manufacturers can work under. And so we work with them to have our system be accredited in heavy-duty mobile equipment. And what that means is that we have gone through hundreds of shock and vibe, gravel, EMI tests for electrical, all sorts of things to make sure that the system will last once it's installed. So they actually come and they verify that the system that we're selling is the system that, that was needed. That was, well, not just that. It's a, they go to our factory and do an audit every year. So they audit us to make sure that, okay, well, you passed the test with this system, and then you're still selling the same parts and pieces to make sure that that system is correct. In other words, not the mattress bait and switch, right? Right, right exactly. Every product change has to be vetted through their organization to make sure that we maintain that FM 5970 accreditation. Interesting. So you showed a video of the equipment on wheels, right, that goes wherever the other stuff's going. And what we'll do is we'll put a link to that in the show notes so that people that are listening that want to see it and learn more, we'll have a link to the website, give them a little bit of information, and then a link to that video as well so that they can they can look at it. So is there – how does it work as far as kind of getting the process started to – to see if someone, if this is something that is a viable kind of preventative measure that they should be taking? Sure. It's a multifaceted approach because we have to make sure that we're getting buy-in from the HSE team, the operations team, the maintenance guys, the sales guys, the well-pad ownership. So we, we look at a a lot of different angles. We work with ENPs to discuss, does this make sense for your clients to have this technology? Is this a requirement for them? Is this something that you'd want them to have? And then from the oil field services side, we make sure that we work with all those groups I just mentioned to make sure that the system makes sense for their organization. So that may mean working with one of their vendors to make sure that all the electrical is tied into their oil field controls. And so that may mean that we work with their maintenance group to make sure that we don't put hoses or tanks for the system in a place that doesn't make sense. We want to work with everyone to make sure that we're not putting a tank in a place where you have to put out a transmission and then you have to take apart the system. So serviceability is also something that we take into account. And then with the HSE team, obviously, we look at certain risks and what we think is necessary for protecting the machine and, more importantly, protecting the operator of the machine, especially on something like a blender. Right. You have to make sure you have the right coverage because there's usually someone standing up there running the augers with their back turned to the engines. Yeah. And so we've had reports of fires that have happened where the guy's standing on the machine and it's on fire behind them. Yeah, it doesn't know. Yeah, it doesn't know. Wow. Yeah, so... You know, one of the things that's been giving me kind of indigestion, for lack of a better word, is 
how in you know in our MSAs and we're we're allocating risk in, in an, an indemnity situation. Ideally, you want to make sure that each party in a knock for knock is taking their own people and property, but inevitably the operator is usually going to take more of the risk when it's related to a well control event. But you know, deciding and determining what is actually a quote unquote well out of control is not always simple, and especially if you've got a fire. And you, there's a sequence of events, right, that, although we never wish this on anybody, assume everything at the site ends up on fire. So the rig's on fire or the – if you're fracking, right, the frack fleet's on fire or if you've got a snubbing unit or, or whatever and then you've got the, the smaller drill out there, right? So all of these different components and at some point in time, then something really catastrophic happens and you don't know – really what caused it or really what happened. And the point of a good indemnity is to make sure that you don't have to worry about what actually happened. Everybody takes their own people and their own property. But in reality, most master service agreements have carve-outs. And at the end of the day, and what I've been looking at lately is how the warranty provisions and making sure that the contractor is doing what they're supposed to be doing on the job and how if they don't do the job right and that causes an incident, how that interplays into the indemnities. And one of the things that I've been really worried about for my smaller operator clients is the potential risk of a frack fleet fire and whose care, custody, and control is it in. And so if the company man says something or you've got several contractors out on the site, it's not going to just be – the frack operator, right? You're going to always have other people out there and lots of people and lots of things. And so if we could prevent, obviously you always want to prevent damage, but it also helps prevent arguing amongst the different contractors and operator that's out there, right? Because once you start getting into multi-millions of dollars and frack fleets are, I mean, I don't don't know how much the average- Up to $50 or more if you- burn down the whole thing is right. what we've had a couple of case studies that were done and it's not always that bad but right. that's just their equipment not including the well pad cost not including the loss of productivity because you lost a fleet and not including the loss of contracts because maybe it was a high profile fire and the ENP says you know we can't have you on site anymore it's a it's a PR issue so right. there's a can be pretty big in the end of the day. Right. And so anytime there's that much money at stake, people start fighting. And Absolutely. it's all, almost always cheaper to hire lawyers, at least for a little bit, unfortunately, than it is. And, and I think that, again, if, if the numbers are even somewhat close on the insurance loss, underwriters are going to start demanding people take measures to prevent these types of losses. And we see that in a well control policy, for example, there's something called a due diligence clause, right? And a due diligence clause says that you have to conduct your operations as a reasonably prudent operator would. And so that's a that's kind of a nebulous flowing definition, right? Because as new technology comes out and as our methods change, what is a reasonably prudent operator going to be doing? And I suspect as we get, you know, I I recorded an episode earlier today with a guy that's got some really cool technology that goes into tanks to help get rid of vapors and and put out tank fires early. And I think once the technology becomes more commonplace, I suspect insurance companies, underwriters are going to start saying, if you don't have this type of technology, you're not 
performing your operations with due diligence. Right. Because there were some fairly simple steps that you could have taken to prevent this sort of thing. And insurance is only meant to protect against fortuitous events. Right. And if it wasn't fortuitous, and if you knew inevitably that at some point a hose is going to get a leak, right? I mean, we've got lots of combustible stuff and heat and sparks, right? It's just a right situation for problems. And so I think it's really interesting. And as an industry, this new technology as it comes out, making sure that we understand not only how it affects our our contracts, but how it affects insurance. And I think it's probably going to be interesting to see what happens over the next few years with this kind of stuff. Agreed. Yeah. It is interesting to to see the thought process that comes up. I mean, we're, we're not doing anything that's really a new technology here. This has been around. Our company is over 50 years old, and we've been making essentially a similar product, as do many in fire suppression. Where we've really stepped out of that is we're learning to integrate with companies to understand their operations and give them visibility and metrics and data on fire like they've never had before. So the ability to detect when a fire happens within the first 10 seconds, 30 seconds of a fire. And then you know where it started. And you know where it started. And then you can literally target and press a button on your little panel in the data van, the GUI interface, press a touch screen panel and say, put the fire out on this unit, this unit, and this unit. And from what our customers have told us is that that's a powerful thing to have. Yeah, absolutely. So if people want to learn more and get in touch with you, obviously we'll put it in the show notes, but can you give them the, the website? And- sure. It's www.afexsystems.com. And that's A-F as in Frank. Correct. X is an x-ray. That's correct. Okay. And then are you on LinkedIn? Yes, I am. Okay, great. So there's probably lots of Josh Joneses. There are many Josh Joneses. But if you search Josh Jones and Apex, they will be able to find you, right? Absolutely. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks so much for, for coming on and, and kind of sharing what you're doing. And on the, the video that you showed, I want to come visit the facility because I'd really like to see one of those up close and personal. So yeah. maybe I can go out there one day and we'll take some pictures and post those as well. Sure. Sounds okay. good. Okay. Awesome. Thanks. thanks. Appreciate it, sir. If you guys could do me a favor and like, leave a review for this podcast, that's the best way for us to get exposure and let other people discover how much fun we can have reviewing insurance and risk management issues. 